Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hello, today I get the privilege of introducing you to my new friend, Alyssa Evans. Alyssa, unbeknownst to me, well, I I followed you on Instagram and I thought, how come she knows me and tell me how we met sort of. We were stationed in Kingsland, Georgia, and you were a guest speaker at the, um, I think it was a women's retreat that we had at our church, and you were a guest speaker for talking about hospitality, and um, you had some books for sale, and I bought some, and you I did. followed oh, you. Thank you. Thank you to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, that was a great group in Kingsland, Georgia. That was a long ways away. Yeah, I spoke Friday night, and then I think twice on Saturday and um yep. and they were such a well such a welcoming group. Um you you sort of touched on it. You are a military spouse, but a little before then, uh you told me that you were adopted from foster care and not connected to your family. Does that mean your birth family? Yes. So I've never met my father. Actually, we even share the same birthday, which is interesting, but we've never met. Hmm. And and um I was in and out of my mother's home my childhood. And then when I was 10, I moved from Wisconsin to Washington state to, um, from Wisconsin to Washington state. And, um, I was adopted from there. And so then after I turned about 18 due to some life choices that I made from walking away from the Lord, my adopted family kind of just parted ways. And so, um, from 18 on, I've kind of just been a lone ranger. So. Wow. And how did, (laughs) how did, how did you meet your husband? Uh, we met, he is in the Marine Corps and he had just gotten back from deployment the day before. And I invited him to a little get together I was having, and we had some mutual friends and it was literally love at first sight. I was living in California at the time and, um, just kind of doing the whole nomad thing in my early twenties. And, um, we, within six months of meeting, we got married and, um, we were on our way to Okinawa, Japan, our first duty station. Wow. Um, I have relatives who went there, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so was he, were you raised then with your adopted parents? Were they believers? Yes, they were. Um, my adopted mom was a, um, a minister in children's ministry also. And so I, even though I've had quite a very difficult childhood, the Lord has really been very providential in my life and his hand has been very evident in also just that I've had private Christian school, most of my education Hmm. and, um, just very evident that he is, has had a hand in my life. So, and, uh, how long have you been married and, and do you have children? We have been married, April will be at a thing for a minute, 13 years, and we have two girls. Brooklyn Grace is 11 and Maddox Magnolia is six. Oh, we homeschool them also. You homeschool? We do homeschool. Wow. And so there's six and 11. What great names. Yep. Well, I'm partial to girls. You know, I have three. I'm either at the bank or on my knees, as they say, as I say all the time. Um, how has that background, because that is an unusual background in my experience, mm. uh, helped form who you are today? Mm. I would say it is the core of who I am. Um, it has really taught me to seek to understand people and to... to Why? Why? Um, mostly because it, everyone has a story and everyone has a reason that they act the way that they do or they believe the way that they believe. And it has just really taught me to seek to understand um, feelings and emotions of people. I might not understand exactly that what got them to that feeling, Mm -hmm. but I have really developed the capability to just sit with someone in their feelings um, because I've walked through so many hard feelings of grief and separation and saying goodbyes. And um, I think I've really just become a master of the gospel of goodbyes and what that, what that looks like. 
Uh, not like a master of arts, though. Master, yeah, master of the what? The gospel. Why do you call it a gospel of goodbyes? Because it's not good news. That I, I guess that could be relative. Because um, even though I think goodbyes can be good, depending yes. on the way you look at it. Before Jesus in my life, gospel. The, the goodbyes um, wrecked havoc in my life. Um, I never said goodbye to my birth family when I was 10. We just moved. I never said goodbye to um, my friends, my cousins, aunts, uncles. And then um, just all my whole life has been goodbyes. And then because God has a wonderful sense of humor, I married a Marine and we've moved about seven to eight different duty stations. Wow. I actually lost count because I can't count anymore. <laughs> but um, wow. we... It, he, we say goodbye a lot yeah. and we say goodbye a lot to each other and we say goodbye to a lot of friends. But um, when I embraced not just goodbyes, but it's the gospel of goodbyes, I have realized that the Lord has given me a message and it is our duty to disciple the people around us and to send them out and to um, disciple. And therefore, it's not just a goodbye, it's a gospel of goodbyes. And it's good news when we think of what Paul and um, even not even Jesus, but ultimately Jesus, um, he said goodbye. He said, but the best news is he's coming back. And wow. so um, he's that time wisely. That is beautiful. The gospel of goodbyes. I don't like goodbyes. My kids will come home and visit like for a weekend. And when they leave, especially my youngest is very tenderhearted. And, um, and I'll say, it's okay. Just get in the car and go. Let me know when you get there. But mm -hmm. I have to go watch like a Mission Impossible, something to distract me. Because I just start crying and it's so dumb because, you know, I'm kind of glad everybody's gone. It's just easier to cook. And, uh, but I feel that loss and I think right. it's good. I think it's good for us, like what you say, to embrace the pain a little bit and seek God in it because he has something um, for us in all of our feelings, in the losses, mm -hmm. as well as in the gains. And I think we can pay more, at least me, I can pay more attention to him in my losses than in my successes. And, Absolutely. and, and uh, so that is so beautiful. There is a gal on Instagram. I'll have to tell you about later. She, she ministers, ministers to um, sports wives. And I just think, you know, that's again, another thing where they have to pick up and leave because their husband, the coach got fired that day and they have to be, or they're called to a different team and they have to go and place their children in new schools. I mean, it's truly a unique situation that you have. You say this, your military life and your Christian life has made you feel folded into a forever family. What does that mean to you? So because of my childhood, um, I oftentimes will say that I don't have what feels like a, um, a relationship with anyone I can call mom. Um, I actually don't have anybody in my life. I call mom. I've never called anybody dad in my life. And, um, I remember one day I was crying to someone and saying how to a mentor that I feel like when I get to heaven, there's, I'm just going to be myself. There's not going to be a family waiting for me or anybody celebrating. And, um, this mentor looked at me and said, Alyssa, <laughs> There are people from Japan and Italy and Georgia and Texas, and um, you pick the place and they're going to be at the gates cheering for you because um, what I think of the scripture where in Matthew, I believe it is, where when you give up your things to follow the Lord, he blesses you tenfold. And no matter where I go in our military life, in this military mission field, I have an immediate older woman that could be like a mother to me. I have a friend that's like a sister. I have other friends that are like the aunts to my children. Mm. And so the blessing with Christianity and military is that um, it's like an instant, not just community, but their family. They're the people that you do Christmas with, you do Easter with, um, mm. their birthday parties. It's every mom's fear that it's your child's birthday. And you think, well, who's going to come? Right. And no one's going to come to my child's birthday. And sometimes I just sit back during the birthday party now and just smile and praise God because have all these people from all of these, even just in the short time that we've been here, mm -hmm. um, it's just such a blessing to be able to serve the Lord and that he blesses us for it with people. We recently met a couple who are in the military and they have Thanksgiving. I asked them for Thanksgiving. They said, well, 
Uh, we have our own Thanksgiving. We invite all these people now who come because they've known them. They'll come from out of state, even military, a lot of singles. <laughs> and they call, I can't remember what they call it, but they're all from broken homes. And so they're like, like the broken home, <laughs> the broken home Thanksgiving. They're the little well of comfort for all these people. And it's kind yeah. of funny, but sad too, but good for them that they do this and that Ooh. they welcome others um, in such a beautiful way. Um, how did you and your husband, well, you said you can't, when you went away from the Lord, what brought you back? Oh, that's a big question. I think what really started it was our girls. We had our daughter, Brooklyn. And I think as you get older, you start realizing, you know, you want to go back to church and you kind of want to start um, doing more meaningful things as a family. Mm -hmm. um, but what really brought me back really, I think, was just being at the bottom of being alone. We were in um, Okinawa for the second time. Mm -hmm. And I had just had my youngest daughter, Maddox, and we lived out in town in Okinawa. So off base in the middle of Japan. Wow. And um, my husband came home one day and said, I'm going to go to Kuwait. So we were ready forward deployed to Okinawa and he was going to go to Kuwait for six months. Oh no. And I turned to him and I said, I think I'm going to quit my job in homeschool. And he was like, well, you don't believe in homeschool because I was in school for education. And I believe that teachers should teach. And the Lord has really just humbled my heart in a lot of ways in that area. And so I did, I quit and I started homeschooling, which homeschooling already is, can be a very isolating yes. um, world. But then I was doing it as a first time homeschooler in the middle of Japan, not knowing anything or anybody about it. And um, I had never felt that kind of alone. And I was just incredibly isolated. Um, some nights I would just stay up all night and um, would abused the amount of just wine I was drinking. And to the point where I just, I didn't know if I could do another day of it, but the saving grace was that I, because I had grown up in the church and I knew that I wanted my daughters to grow up that way. I joined a homeschool community okay. and that homeschool community, um, taught me what community really meant. Um, they literally came up on both sides of me and raised me up and held me up when I couldn't literally do it on my own. Wow. Um, that woman today is still one of my greatest mentors. Um, I'm going to get emotional thinking about how much she has blessed my life. And um, was she, she a really military, was she a military wife as well? Yes, she, she was. Um, and she still is. Hmm. And uh, she just really taught me. I remember one day she came to me and said, you know, this song, this Hillsong song about new wine just reminds me of you for some reason. Mm. And it actually played um, this morning as I was getting ready wow. praying for this conversation. And I just, just new wine coming out of me and that I just really, so my husband and I both grew up um, believing in God, but we didn't really live a Christian life. Mm. And so once we really realized what the gospel says and reading the book of John and reading really the, not just picking verses from the Bible, but truly reading God's word, it absolutely radically changed my life of what was in God's living word. And this and woman, having to, did this woman uh, take you to the word or you just went on your own or what? Um, no, at the same time, I was going to a church that was a very gospel community, um, like missional community church. And mm -hmm. so we, the, um, we, I was a part of a missional community group and so I bring the girls by myself while my husband was deployed and I felt awkward because everyone's there with their husband and I'm sure. there by myself. Yeah. Um, but I just knew that I was tired of feeling alone and I didn't want to be alone anymore. Mm. Have you ever felt alone since? Oh, absolutely. I think it's our feelings are, that's not a feeling that goes away. And I don't think our feelings go away when we surrender our lives to the Lord, but it's more of what we do with those feelings and how we, um, how do we turn that, um, sadness into his glory? Um, instead of, I stopped asking, why is this happening to me versus what will you have me learn in this situation? And so when we moved to Missouri, we moved early from our last duty station, six months early. And, um, I didn't want to move, even though I prayed here, I am Lord send me, we got orders to 
the middle of Missouri. I didn't I really, was, you said, I didn't really mean that, Lauren. That's what you said. No, I did not mean that. I thought Zimbabwe would be cool, but not, <laughs> yeah, the middle not of Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> no. That's funny. Lord, I surrender almost, not all. Yeah, <laughs> Go <ahead>. exactly. <laughs> but not the Midwest. Yeah. Lord, save me. Is the, is they actually Missouri the it, South? Well, it's the, the Midwest. Oh, okay. It's pretty much almost in the middle next to Kansas. It's they beautiful. even call it, they call it lost in the woods. It's so oh. isolating here and lonely. Oh. Um, and um, I did feel incredibly lonely while we first moved here. And I noticed certain behaviors in my life started creeping back up and I um, ran to the Lord and I decided that this can't happen. If I'm a born again believer, I need to make some serious changes. And so a group, a group of women and I started cultivating a community. Hmm. And um, how did you do that though? Cause I find that if I'm feeling a little blue, like I did Tuesday, I don't necessarily reach out to get someone to help me. I just curl in more, which is unusual for me because I'm such an extrovert. So if you're already feeling blue, because we're talking today to a lot of women who are feeling blue, I'm sure, off and on, maybe mm -hmm. not all the time. Um, how do you get the gumption to go and say, hey, would you come over? Let's play games or let's talk about our families or something. So for me, I've learned that if I'm invited somewhere and I really don't want to go to say yes. And you know, you're talking about yes. a world of introverts here who are saying, are you kidding? That That's the Lord yes. showing me not to yes. go. If I'm invited, say yes. Yes. And so um, what really pulled me out of feeling um, what was going towards really some dark depression was there was a women's ministry retreat here. Uh, I had attended some Bible studies a couple of times, but I didn't really fully get involved. And there was a women's ministry event that we, a week, certain weekend. And I mentioned it to my husband and he was like, you should go. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. He probably was more of like, just get off. You need to get off the couch, like yes. get out of the house. Yeah. yeah. And, um, when I went, the feeling of just women around me, that was enough for me to realize, you know, this is a good feeling and um, the Lord has more for me. And then in the message of the weekend um, that the Lord has really provided for me about how um, he humbled us and he sustains us. And even though we go through hard times, um, he does it to teach us and to grow us. And again, what, what are we to learn in the situation versus why is this happening and wallowing in it? And then from there, um, just meeting connections with women and that are like-minded and having small conversations. And I found that the older I get, it's not necessarily the qual the quantity of friends, but just a few good friends is all that I need um, to really navigate this crazy life. Yeah, I speak on this a lot. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if I talked on that when I came to your church, but um, I say, you know, extroverts need about 13 good friends and an introvert maybe needs two, but they need that too. And, mm -hmm. but when you're wallowing and I don't mean wallowing, like it's a shaming thing, but you just feel sad because no mm -hmm. one's called you to go to Starbucks. No one's asked if they could sit with you. I mean, I met a new couple at church last Sunday and I, and we're, we're having a huge church potluck, all three services meeting in a park on Sunday. And I said, if you guys come, you can sit with Mark and I, but they were kind of like hightailing it out of the church. And I thought, I don't think they really need me, but maybe someone else would. And so I call it our hospitality antenna. And I know you have it, Alyssa, but you learned it through pain. And a hospitality mm -hmm. antenna is really a reaching out for someone who seems to be alone and mm -hmm. uh, to walk into a room and say, and look around and say, Lord, is there someone here who feels worse than I do? And I feel bad and go sit with them and just find out about their life. So I think through our pain, God then um, winnows us out of our pride. And then mm -hmm. I think we become more empathetic with somebody else. Don't you feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, even though I, I might not, I might not be the one that's going to be their friend. I found right. too. Um, perhaps that I'm going to connect you to someone else that um, you two are going to connect. And um, I have found that often and to learn that um, not to wallow in that either. Why is she friends with that person? Yeah. I'm the one. I introduce them. them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. But to realize you know, the God, to rest in that the Lord used me and, um, 
And the best thing is I get to do it all over again. And yeah, and um, also we get, we get exhausted. Yeah, we get exhausted too. So the Lord, I have one friend, I've known her for years now and a lot younger. And she said, I was talking about you to someone the other day. And I said, Sue brings a lot of people through their house. And then she just ushers them out the front door and, and you know, they just keep going. She goes, but I stayed. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad you stayed, Jean, because she's such a treasure to me. And mm-hmm. um, do you have, uh, describe your the ministry that you feel um, the military wives in particular need from your own mm-hmm. experience? They really just need people that will come alongside them and be sometimes we just need someone to watch our children because we need a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. and we don't have an aunt or a friend or a mom or someone that we can drop our kids off with and um we don't want to pay 25 to 35 dollars an hour an hour we physically <laughs> um and sometimes just having that hey i just the other weekend um we had a young um single a single soldier, she needed um, childcare. She had to work on a Saturday and we're like, absolutely bring, bring them on over. We're going to be here anyway. And um, not even just necessarily sing or not necessarily military wives, but even single service members, they have a whole world that they go through navigating as single parents and Definitely. Um, that, that we wouldn't imagine unless you are sitting there and seeking to understand and listen to them. And, um, Ultimately, I think that what women are looking for are just open couches and open hearts. And it's not looking for um, this big, you know, charcuterie board display of what's this beautiful meal. But even if it's just a cup, actually, I think I learned it from you. Mm -hmm. If you have water, you can host and not even hosting, but you can be hospitable. Mm -hmm. And um, I found that if I can just pour a bowl of cereal in a big old bowl and pop some popcorn, the kids have a snack and something to do to entertain the children. And most of the time, military women, they just want someone to listen to them or they don't might not feel like talking, but they just want someone to sit with them. And um, it's hard to start over every two to three years and find brand new homes, brand new churches, um, a brand new dentist, brand new everything. Um, but to just have someone sit with you, um, you're bound to have something. Doesn't the military already know that, that they, if they want to keep their soldiers, uh, happy, that they have a network as soon as someone joins a new base, that there's a list of where to get your hair cut, who's a good dentist, who's a pediatric, uh, uh, dentist for your kid. They don't have that set in stone. For the most part, it's the wives that really do a good job with that through Facebook group. And for example, let's say that we were going to get orders today to um, our next duty station. I would go to a Facebook group pages and type in churches, type in dentist and look at what the women have recommended to each other. Um, While I think that the military is trying to really cultivate more of a community that is family friendly, um, ultimately, at least in the Marine Corps, they'll say, well, if the Marine Corps, you know, wanted a wife, they would have issued you one and that we're mission first and mm-hmm. that family comes second. And so to be able to understand that and be respectful of our husband's jobs or wives, if we are a spouse at home like that, as a mm-hmm. man, then um, we, we let them do that. And we stay home. We take care of all the things. And typically the wife will tell you we're going to live here and this is the church and this is what's going to happen. And we're going to go to, this is the grocery store. Um, I wish that was, you signed in and it was like, okay, great. Here's a list of things. But um, typically it's more of just the community that you cultivate. And so um, going back to the question of you asked, how did I um, get so the women involved in our home and the group study that we've started here was I kind of just kind of had to feel bold. And I even just posted on our, on the Facebook page of our (laughs) local um, base and said, you know, there's a book study starting and um, all women are welcome and there's no condemnation in what you believe or don't believe, but just maybe you're alone and you're looking for people and that are like-minded and please come bring a dish. Don't bring a dish. I've had a woman just bring a bag of carrots one time because that's all she had. And um love it. But it's just such a joy that um it's lifelong lasting friendships that have developed because of we have the loneliness in common, we have children in common, 
we both, we all share a um, love for the Lord. And then ultimately also the military is a way that we can connect with each other differently than we can um, with those in the civilian world. Yeah. So true. Um, do you have a special vision for how you and your husband will continue in this ministry, even after retirement? <clears throat> I was just asked this today from one of my professors. Oh. Um, I don't, I, right. he is getting retired in about five years and, um, we just have been feeling more and more called to military families and what that looks like. Um, really definitely the Lord just kind of laid, um, Aquila and Priscilla on our hearts and to serve together mm-hmm. and what that looks like for single service members and then also families. And, um, we both are very family oriented people. And so something along the lines of discipling families and, um, opening our home and really just kind of showing them our story and, um, how God is the hero of our story and how God can be the hero of their story. And just to continue to equip them to do that on their next duty station. Um, but no, there's not plan. <laughs> well, he could be a chaplain and then he would still be in the service and you get good benefits. That's just a thought. Uh, but I'm not your mother, but I'd love to be your mother. Um, how can I'm in the market for one. So, okay. <laughs> you don't even yes. have to have red hair. Cause none of my children have red hair. I asked my mother-in-law once, I said, I found out from a lady at a park that you have to have red hair on both sides of the family. Is there any red hair on Mark on your side of the family? She goes, absolutely not. I said, I'm never going to have a redhead. So I stopped <laughs> having children. Well, I was also 44, so I needed to stop. Um, how can not, and this is for all the rest of us who are listening, who are not military, how can non-military mm-hmm. men and women help support you all? Like, Because we have a military base about an hour away, so we don't get a lot but we uh, get other people who's like even doctor's wives can feel very lonely. I was very lonely Absolutely. the first 15 years because Mark was on call every three nights when I had three kids, you know, and that even the one time I said, look, I didn't get married to go to church by myself. That's what I told him. <laughs> and he said, if I don't pick up the phone, someone dies. And I thought, well, that's being a little melodramatic, but I guess he was correct. <laughs> yeah. So, whoa, so hoity toity. So off he went, and I went to church with the kids by myself. <laughs> but yeah, it's something you have to learn in every community. So, what did I ask you? Oh, yeah, what can we do to help you? I was thinking, I thought of three things. So, the first one was just be hands. Um, maybe it's just holding the baby while she's unloading all the kids out of the car and um, she feels anxious because now the baby's crying during the church service. And now mm-hmm. she's sweating bullets because right. she wants to be there. She's feeling the thing. Sometimes just saying, how can I help her? How can I help you? Or just take the child and help her in that way. Another thing I was thinking is that um, sometimes just offering, I know not everyone wants to be someone that can watch children, but even if she has children to well, just to say, you know, can we help you this week on a Wednesday so you can just go get your hair done or just go have a cup of coffee by yourself Self, yeah. and um, even, or just DoorDash dinner for her, order a pizza. If, and um, I'm sure she will remember you for life. Yeah. And then the other thing is for churches, um, oftentimes we hear that they don't want to pour into service members because they're going to be gone. They're going oh, to you. What was the point? They're going a, to move. That's a terrible thing to say. I would agree. Um, we came from a church in that where I met you that basically said, you know, we don't care how long you're going to be here. We just have to love you harder then. Oh. And that always stuck with me. Wow. And that um, mm. I think if more churches embraced their temporary um, congregants, they would see that there are free missionaries worldwide. They don't even have to sponsor them financially. If they would just pour into them, they already know that they're going to be sent out. And if the church's goal is to make God's name's fame, God's name's famous, not their church's name famous, then um, they definitely have a free mission field. Wow. Isn't that the case? We had, we raised our kids with international students. It was my part-time job. So I got paid. Um, but it was a way to work without working outside the home. And then mm-hmm. I felt like this is the missionaries serving mission field coming to our house. Like they were trapped, yeah. you know, they had to say a Bible verse every night to practice their English. <laughs> and, um, and some were very close with still, 
and it's great to see the fruit, mm-hmm. but it's so, God is so creative. You know, if you're feeling bad because you married someone who didn't want to be a missionary and now you're stuck in Torrance, California, ask God <laughs> to bring someone into your life because there is just no end to the joy. There's also mm-hmm. grieving because grieving people leave and also uh, not everyone accepts Jesus, but that's not yours and my responsibility, Alyssa. It's our responsibility to pour into them God's love without entrapment. I mean, I invite people over uh, where we don't nest, where we don't talk about Jesus. I just invite them over, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping they'll pick up on the aroma of Christ, even as they mm-hmm. see, you know, that there are dog bones all over the house. Whatever, it's imperfect hospitality, and I know that you understand that. But um, I'm praying for the day to be able to say, "Hey, you know, I know you're." you're feeling a little lost. Can I tell you what Jesus did for you? But not to do it part of, not make it like a requirement. Because I think right. a lot of people think, well, I didn't go to seminary, even like Alyssa, we didn't mention that, but you have, you are in seminary, but you don't have to go to seminary to love on people who are lonely. Absolutely. Well, then I also think too, imagine if Jesus loved us with strings attached, you know, I'm going to, what if he loved us the way that we love people that are that we know are going to leave. I don't want to, I used to say, I don't want to get close to them because I'm going to have to say goodbye. Um, And I'm so grateful that he doesn't love us that way. He doesn't say, you know, Alyssa was going to walk away, but I, um, or you're going to sin tomorrow. He loves us regardless. And um, he loves us um, unconditionally. And if we loved people the same way and we approached our, um, as military community or um, just as, anybody in a community, if we approached where we live with the same intentionality that Jesus did with his mission, um, because he also lived three years in ministry, most duty stations are three years. Wow. And so if we, if we approached with that same intentionality, can you imagine the impact that we would have um, in our local communities? And then not only local, but we're bound to go out. We have to leave. We have to go be missional, not a choice. Yeah. So you have to go, but not everybody's missional. So it's really a mindset. Okay. We have to go. I'm sorry. I'm sad about it, but I wonder what God has for us next, who God has for us next. As I mentioned to you, my sister moved 14 times and each time she had to make a new set of friends and it gets wearisome and you worry Mm -hmm. about your four kids and well, they have four and um, how is God going to meet their needs in this new school or whatever it is. And it's hard on a mom And so I sympathize, but it's also a mindset of, I wonder what God has for us next and who God has for us next. Because I find that there's always someone who has a worse, worse story than I do. And that Mm -hmm. whatever struggle I've been through, God will use that. That's in second Corinthians uh, one, three, what do you wish you could have experienced when you were a new military wife? Mm. That would have been of encouragement to you. We were randomly, we were newly wed, living overseas. And then um, we got married in April. And then by October, we were expecting our first girl already. And um, I think that would have really just helped was, um, well, at that time, we did have friends that were very hospitable and we did life together. We did everything together. Um, The difference was it wasn't, um, oriented towards Christ and it was very worldly based. But if I had an older woman come along and even just, even though I know how to sweep the floor, if she would have said, do you want to come over and help me just, um, hang out or, you know, I'm just going to be folding laundry or I'm making this new loaf of bread, or I'm going to sweep the floor. I think that would have been wonderful because we don't have moms, we live far away from them, or we might like myself, I don't have a connection with somebody, mm-hmm. but, um, just really coming along and doing life as, with each other. I think sometimes that we think, well, she's okay. She's got it. I don't want to be a bother. Um, I think that people that intimidate people feel intimidated by that, but, um, we want you to ask us, we want to come do life with you. We don't want to be alone. Um, and the least that can happen is you say no, and then someone you next do it again next time, and you keep going because eventually someone's going to say yes. And, I love um, that because it does take as a, as a hostess, <clears throat> it does take courage. It takes mm-hmm. courage to invite. I had one friend tell me, "Well, I don't do hospitality anymore because people don't come." 
And I thought, well, she's been hurt. I'm not judging her, mm -hmm. but that's so sad. But I think just keep inviting because like mm -hmm. you just said, there'll be that one who says, yes, I've also invited people and in thinking, well, I really hope these people come because I like them better. You know, we have certain, mm -hmm. God has made us with affinities. You know, we have certain, mm -hmm. oh, I really like her. And, uh, and they were not the ones who came, the ones who were a little more tricky as far as personality. They're the ones who needed to be at my table. And I need to just get over mm -hmm. myself because Jesus welcomes all. And we don't really know um, how someone's day really is because they're not going to say, by the way, I'm lonely. Would you please invite me over? Right. And I think that comes back to also um, that there comes a place where I think we have to be a little vulnerable with our stories. We don't necessarily have to say everything in every detail, but um, think if you think about the people that you relate to the most, most likely it's going to be someone that you heard a story and you connected with them. And I know that as um, when I look at leaders, I look at someone that I can emulate or I look at somebody that, um, oh, wow, they're a real person too, versus the, oh, I could never be like that person. I could never be holy like that person is. And that used to make me run further from the church and from people than anything. And then I realized when I am authentic with my story and um, saying, this is where I was and this is where I'm at. And um, I found when we come alongside and we get to know each other a little bit more, um, we can understand each other and we can share each other's lives a little bit more. And I think that sometimes we are so guarded. A lot of times that's because we've been hurt before. Um, and it does take a lot of faith to say, I'm going to share this part about me and um, in hopes that God gets the glory and, and that I'm not going to be hurt by it. But I think that if we open up our hearts a little bit more and we share a little bit more about ourselves, I think that um, not only is the other person not feeling lonely, but in some weird way that the Lord works, we also feel comforted in that too, that we've made a connection with somebody. Mm -hmm. Makes all the difference. Uh, someone mm -hmm. reminded me on text yesterday about, remember that story where Jesus went after the just the one sheep? You know, we don't have to mm -hmm. have 40 people in our home. We can just go after that one because God is going after that one through your invitation. How would you mm -hmm. describe your hospitality ministry right now? Right now, I'm currently on a break. I was doing a, um, I did a, since January until last month, I was doing a couple book studies with some ladies. Um, we had about 18 on average wow. at one point is as studies go, they kind of dwindled down, but we had about 20, 25 children and um, wow. we had to hire her come and take help take care of them all. And, um, because I am in seminary and I also homeschool, I kind of, it was time for a season of rest and also to let other women kind of take, um, opportunity to lead as well. Um, but I found that right now my hospitality is to be intentional with the one and to be intentional with, um, individuals. It's a little hard to be intentional with stories and with people and their feelings when you're sitting in a group of them, but to be able to um, do one-on-one -on -one and to meet with them. And so currently it's just having people over for dinner, whether it be a, um, for my husband, he'll invite a, um, recently we had, who did we have over? He was a Marine who was struggling with some relational issues. And then we've had um, an international student from Germany, um, German, Germany, German army, I guess he, he came over and, um, and then um, entering into a discipleship relationship with me with a single um, female Marine who's getting ready to go overseas for her first duty station as well. And so really just being intentional with individuals versus trying to have this really big study and these really big numbers, but to really um, just do life. And we're just not having a fancy dinner. We were going to eat fried chicken anyway, or yeah. we were order pizza anyway, yeah. and um, just come alongside and sit with us. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to read our Bible stories and family. That's so great. I remember one gal I interviewed, she she said, I'm not a cook, Sue, so I don't think we need to talk about hospitality. But then she tells me this story where she goes to her kid's basketball game and she sits down next to another mother who's going through a divorce or something. So she just invites her over and they order pizza or whatever. And it's not a big deal. The food is not the issue. It's, mm -hmm. the, it's the invitation 
and coming alongside. Now, I didn't uh, interview you because of your hospitality heart, though I have noticed it on Instagram. I also like the Instagram I saw recently, something about your don't, your to-do list. That's your don't list. Oh, yes. I don't have my phone with me, but I took a picture of it. it. Okay. Read me your your to-don't list for the fall. (laughs) I think it's a Yes, because I was saying yes to everything. Uh, Yes. And I was out. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. So my to don't do list was to ignore my soul care plan. So you're um, not going to ignore it. You're not going to, I'm not going it. to ignore it. Okay. Um, and then to not, to not take on more than one ministry hmm. to not be busy every single night of the week this fall hmm. to not neglect fully embracing a slow Sunday, hmm. um, not to make a decision with or to, I won't make a decision without prayer, consulting the word and my husband. I like to skip the husband part yeah, and see don't what we all. input is. Yeah. Cause they take yeah. too long to figure out what to say. And besides we're not, we know what we're going to say. So we're not going to ask them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I to not ignore the don't disturb or rest settings on my phone. I will put don't disturb for certain hours of my day, like one hour at night for my husband, a couple hours in the morning for our homeschool, but I will ignore it and I will continue to just answer. And um, so I wanted to take advantage of that. I wanted to um, not get out of rhythm with my routines and schedules and then also to be, um, I didn't want to avoid being accountable to a friend about what's on my plate and to ask them if I'm serving from a place of empty or am I serving from a place of overflow um, because they can see into my life so much better than possibly I can sometimes. Hmm. And so you gave them permission to be accountable to you. <clears throat> you yes. Accountable to them, right. And we do need to give our closest friends permission because even mm-hmm. our closest friends don't want to tell us what to do. And, but if we say, would you please remind me that I said I wouldn't do this? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you say, don't forget to tell me because I'll go ahead and do it. I think it's just really blessed me with about three really good. um, One of them called it an iron friend. Yes. Iron sharpening. And I love that. Um, So repeat that serving from a place of overflow or burnout. Was that the other part? From empty or from a place of overflow. Okay. Okay. Got that. Anything else? Oh, no, that it was just to be intentional with the Lord. And the goal was to be intentional with the Lord and my family and then individual friends. I noticed that I wasn't being intentional with individual relationships. And so that that was, um, that was the plan and the goal. How do, how do you define intentional with your relationships? Um, versus being like just, uh, um, like truly checking in. How are you really doing today? Would you like to get together? Um, I have a friend that just last this week, we weren't able to get together. And so putting on the calendar, October 8th, we are getting together, um, put it down because no one tells you that as your kids get older, um, you don't really have time to be a friend very much as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so to really intentionally put time on the calendar and, um, even if it's just, instead of texting, I'm praying for you, um, we will send voice messages to each other with a prayer of what's just praying for you today and, um, whatever it may be that they're going through, cause they're all going through different things in life. And so, um, just kind of versus just small talk, texting, really asking the hard questions is everything. Okay. And praying for your marriage or whatever it may be that they're going through. Mm. And so, Uh, and asking, can I do, what can I do to help you this week? Is there anything that I can do to be there for you? hmm. Um, Sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's actually, can you watch the kids? We're struggling right now and we need a date night. And then the best thing is, is you get to return the favor. And then sometimes we get a date night out of it too. And so. um, I like, I like what you say about putting it on the calendar. I feel like with hospitality and with friendships, if it's not on the calendar, it won't happen. I had a friend call me yesterday and said, so when can we meet? And I thought, never. I'm so busy. <laughs> but I looked at my calendar and I chose two Mondays in October. And I said, either one of these will they work because she's just as busy. You know, she can't fault right. me. Um, busy in a good way, not in a bad word. It's not a bad word if you're doing it for the Lord, I guess. And you're doing it because he said to. 
And she chose one of the dates and we're having lunch in three weeks. And then she goes, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of busy that day. And I thought, oh, good. It won't be a long lunch then. And if you go out, yeah. it kind of cuts the time off. If you have someone over, they could stay and stay and stay. And like, sometimes you have to walk them out the door. I've had to do that because there are boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, this is a legacy podcast. Um, and I won't tell you the story behind that right now, but you can listen to my first couple <laughs> ones and you'll figure it out. But what do you want to leave for those who know and love you, Alyssa? Mm -hmm. I would like to leave a legacy that I feel to, that I've broken a cycle of abuse and of uh, um, being to realize that I don't live Alyssa centered life, but I live a Christ centered life and that I haven't just been a survivor of abuse but that I thrived by, um, it's not I who live, but it's Christ in me. And that I've used my story to um, intentionally create community and um, a life of change, that um, my life has been marked by change and that um, ultimately that I've been brought home by the gospel. I hope that people can see that when they see my life. They can. And I like what you said earlier about uh, being vulnerable. You don't want to hang out all your dirty laundry, maybe the first time you talk to somebody, but if you hint at it, it gives them permission to share their story. And maybe that's mm -hmm. what they need to do because you feel a certain shame, even when you're the victim, there's a shame there that the Satan is so good at shaming. And we uh, shame us from the pit and we are not pit people, but even someone at my age can go down into it, a slide right down into that hole. And it's wrong. You know, it's not how Christ saved us. How are you living this now? I think we've really touched on it overall of just the ministry of my home and with our community. And um, I'm not ashamed to share, you know, my sin and what I've struggled with. And um, really just pointing to that um, I found out my identity is not is I am Alyssa, but my identity is Christ. And um, that when I realized who I am and who I, whose I am, that I've started living that way. And to um, just shout it from the rooftops with boldness. And that, um, and I think that has encouraged my friends to also live that way. And um, to really just be someone that they know that um, when I say I pray for them, I'm really praying for them. And then I can see um, certain steps that I take being mirrored into their lives as well. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it's not me that they're mirroring. It's our good father. And so um, hmm. it's just yeah. such a joy to serve them. It's such a joy. The other day on my podcast uh, mastermind group, they were talking about SEO. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And, you know, using certain words uh, in your description on your podcast or in your ministry mm -hmm. so that people who will Google, I want to learn how to be a good Christian military wife, your name would come up. So that's the mm -hmm. whole thing about Googling and SEO, search engine optimization. That's what it is. And so I thought later, well, I want to be, and it's, and, and the person who was speaking said, well, it's just a, a way of being findable so that your podcast is findable for someone who wants to know about uh, finances or about military or about living a legacy life. And I thought, well, I don't have any of those things up there, but I want my life to be findable for Jesus. And so that mm -hmm. if someone is looking for soul satisfaction, life eternal, knowing Christ, that they will find all those things through me. And that's not being famous, that's being God famous. And um, mm -hmm. as you were saying that you are not the hero of your story and I am not the hero of my story. And even with good parents who make mistakes, you know, we still survive and we have to change. Uh, Philip Yancey calls it breaking the chain of ungrace. Mm -hmm. You received ungraces and you are breaking the chain through God's help. But we've all received some ungraces. My mother Absolutely. did, and I got some from my mom. And then I'm sure I created a bunch from my poor kids. So we're going to all be in therapy. Right. Um, but the idea is that we go to Jesus to help break that chain. And that's what you have done. How does your life embody the welcoming heart of God? Mm. This is a hard question because... 
I don't think I want to like toot my own horn or in any way. Um, but from what I've heard from friends is that the fruit of my life is evident. Um, and it's evident in my children, I would say that, um, embodying the, can you repeat the question? I got kind of stunned. No, no, it's okay. If, how does, how does your life look like God's welcome heart? Because he's welcomed you. He's welcomed me. So how do we reflect that? I, I mean, I can by, tell you, I can tell you how you do it, but I'd like to hear your answer. I think just by being authentic and, and saying that there's a seat at this table for anybody, um, you're never too far gone. And um, in all honesty, I wanted to back out of this podcast because when I looked at um, the list of people from your previous episodes, they're all great people with websites and books and other things. And I thought, well, I'm not worthy of any of that. Um, but then I realized that really none of us are worthy of anything. But um, what I do know is that um, I was invited to the table and to come eat and to come see. And the least I can do is to invite anybody to come eat at this table. And if I ran out of room, we'll just get a bigger table. And um, I don't want anyone to ever feel that they're inadequate or that they have to wash themselves up to come to the Lord. And um, I just try to share that as much as I possibly can to say, um, really kind of like the blind man is when he, they're like, hey, what happened? And he's like, you know what? All I know is I was blind, but now I see. I, see. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, but yeah. all I know is Alyssa was so blind, but now I see. And I want everyone to have that same amazing vision that I have. So beautiful. Um, so well, God is going to know that answers the question. Oh, totally <laughs> answers it. It reminds me of an old Reader's Digest story where um, a regular person was invited to a rich man's house. And when he got there, he realized everybody was wearing evening wear like tuxes, which would mm. never happen in my house. And but that the host noticed that the one guest was just wearing a regular sports jacket, no tie. And so when he got to the table, he untied his tie and took off his coat and put it on the back of his chair. And then everybody else around the table did the same. And it was to welcome the one sheep. And that's mm -hmm. what we do. You know, it's because that's what Jesus did. God sent his son to come to the earth to die for our sins so that there's always room at God's table. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Alyssa. This will be such a blessing to everyone who hears it. And thank you for not canceling. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here. <laughs>